From WGCU News, I'm Amy Tardiff. 60-year-old Lawrence Wojtek and his friend, 57-year-old Mark Lauren, talk about their friend and renowned artist, the late Robert Rauschenberg. Wojtek worked as Rauschenberg's fabricator. They remember the great times they had together at his home on Captiva. You'd be on the beaches and hot, steamy nights, and Bob would be in the studio working with his bright quartz lights, and bugs would drop into the quartz lights, and it smelled like a dentist's office, that protein burning, and, and he's throwing paint around, drinking Jack, TV sets on, and you smell the, the Gulf of Mexico, the doors are open, and it was just a magical time. And he was an amazing man. Well, I remember the first time when you brought Bob over to the upstairs little studio that I had purchased. His eyes were roving over all the tools and then kind of took that ruby out of his pocket. And it was the size of an egg. First time I'd seen a rough ruby that big. Yeah. And he said, can you drill a hole in this? And I said, yeah, I think I can drill a hole in that. And he goes, good, because after you drill the hole in it, I want you to put it on 24 karat gold wire. How come? He said, well, I want to give it to my friend, the Dalai Lama. And it was just kind of like you and I would do a greeting card. He was going to give him this drilled ruby. When you went out there, you never kind of knew who was going to be out there. Oh, yeah. And gosh, Warner Earhart would be out there. Caroline Kennedy would be out. And you never really had a heads up, but they were part of the family. Yeah. And Bob was such a gregarious, caring guy all the time. But when he had his friends around him... It's just off-the-chart fun. He was very zen. His friend John Cage said, I hate Bob Rauschenberg. I try to be zen my whole life, and he just is. And when I first started working with him and he sat me down, it was like I had never been in the presence of somebody that was absorbing everything Mm -hmm. as intensely as he was. Mm -hmm. And I learned that he was dyslexic. He had a hard time reading. I loved art history, and so I was always trying to figure out how this guy became so brilliant. And what it was is he could remember everything really well. And when he first started doing shiners on the stainless steel, he put objects on the stainless steel. And we would go to the scrapyard, and he would want shiny objects. And he was picking out just stainless steel I saw a piece of Monel, and I said, what do you think of this? And Monel's a little bit grayer with the molybdenum in it. Yeah. And he goes, that's not a shiner. That's not a shiner. And so he knew the temperature of the stainless. Right. So that was also the start of printing on the metal, the whole, you know, like the Aurora yeah. Borealis with the acids. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. killer line of beautiful stuff. Well, first we did the shiners on stainless steel. Then we did some works on galvanized steel. And then when he did the Cuban shows, we got galvanized steel, painted it with enamel paints. Mm-hmm. And then I found from the sign painting industry a company that made pre-enameled aluminum sheets that were 4 feet by 10 feet. And they came in colors like Coca-Cola red, Pepsi blue. Oh, my gosh. Bob would put different color metals side by side. And he said, give me a black one, give me a blue one, give me a yellow one. One night he did um, five 10-foot panels. I think you saw right away I was a crazy dog lover. Yes. Bob's dogs were really, really important to him. Mm -hmm. When he presented me with Sapphire, he had tears in his eyes. And he says, I want you to have this one. Uh, And he's got a beautiful blue eye. And I think think it's the color of Sapphire. And he says, wouldn't that make a wonderful name? And so he named Sapphire. He named Sapphire. Oh, I didn't know that. I remember being out there. We were having cocktails on the back deck of the house, and the waves were essentially rolling up just underneath the house. 
And then within the week, they started the beach renourishment on Captiva. Oh, yeah. And then I yeah. went out the next week, and the beach extended like 70 feet out. He did a sound piece. It was driving them nuts because those guys who were playing with big boy toys in a giant sandbox through the night. So right. he had Lori set up microphones in his bedroom window, and he recorded like 12 hours of renourishment beach stuff renourishment. Yeah. But he wanted it to be a sound piece. You know, something that you would send a John Cage to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I don't think a lot of people knew that he, he had so many different disciplines that he was fascinated by. And the food he would make, too. I mean, just like walk in with paint all over him and just start putting a meal together for yeah, everybody. Yeah, he was quite a cook. You know, what I really appreciated about you and still do is that loyalty, no matter what, to the kernel of who Bob was and supporting that and him as a person. You know, Bob was famous before I was born, and I studied Bob. I loved Bob. It was almost spooky. I had seen films on him. I heard his voice. And, like, the first time I was going to his beach house, his jalousine windows were open. I heard his voice, and I knew it. You know, Bob said, I want you to set up shop in my backyard. I decided his work was more important than my work. Sure, he was human. There was good, bad, and you know, course, all yeah. kinds of stuff. But, you know, he really did want to make this wet dirt ball spinning in space a better place. This interview with Lawrence Wojtek of Cape Coral and Mark Lauren of Fort Myers was recorded at StoryCorps in Fort Myers, a national initiative to record and collect stories of everyday people 